our text tonight, uh, we're going to be looking at something that is about His Word. It's going to be on the subject of the trichotomy of man, the fact that we're three-part being, and uh, it's going to, the, our text that we'll start with relates to the Word, and so here's, here's that wonderful promise that's made, and I'm going to just read this verse, it's Isaiah 55, 11. God says this, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, and of course as we have it in the scripture, that is his word out of his mouth, and he says, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing wherein I sent. So what a wonderful promise that is. So any time that we break the bread of life, any time we uh, rejoice around the teaching of the Word of God, we can understand something that it is accomplishing His purpose. And Brother Randy in his prayer that he led us in a moment ago mentioned uh, the Word as it goes out uh, over social media. We don't know tonight who may be listening or who may be watching uh, the worship service, the only one we know about is Terry Dory, and <laughs> she's for sure, unless there's something uh, wrong with the media, she'll be tuned in. Uh, I got a text from her this morning after the service, and uh, so I, I know she's tuned in if she can. And uh, we don't know where that's going. We, we don't know for sure who may be listening. And the providence of God may cause someone to maybe cross the broadcast or listen to the broadcast that needs that, and God accomplishes His purpose through His Word that goes forth. Now, speaking of the Word, our text tonight is in Hebrews and chapter number 4. If you're tuned there, turn there. We're going to read one single verse to get us started tonight. Uh, it'll be verse number 12, and as I said, it's about, about the Word of God, but before I read that, I want to share with you, of course, the passage that we're working from and working off of. Uh, it is a prayer, and I have been preaching on the subject of prayer, and uh, this is the verse that it's coming from in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, and I'll read that. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and Paul said this, and I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the prayer. And of course, uh, that the series I've been sharing with you on Sunday night is related to sowing to the spirit. And I believe that prayer is one of the most awesome ways that we can sow to the spirit because we wouldn't even know what to pray for unless the spirit of God moved us in our prayers. Now from that verse, uh, I've been uh, sharing with you uh, the meaning of what he says here, your whole spirit, soul, and body. And I've been, uh, this is the second Sunday night that I'm sharing with you related to the trichotomy of man. Now I believe in the trichotomy of man. I believe that we are three-part beings. Uh, there are many that believe that we're dichotomous or two-part, and what that means is they believe that we are spirit and material, 
we're spirit and material. And uh, there are people that do not believe. As a matter of fact, I was uh, a, a person that I read after uh, quite often. Uh, I was reading some things the other day, and I was shocked to learn that they don't believe that we are three-part beings. And, of course, I didn't pursue that to find out what their uh, argument is, but uh, they, they actually stated that in their systematic theology book. And, um, but I believe that we are spirit, soul, and body, as that text says. Now, what I'm going to do tonight, I shared with you last Sunday night about the spirit part of man, the spirit part of man. And the Bible teaches that we are dead, the spiritually dead, all the unsaved, all the unregenerate in the world, all of them, everyone, is dead spiritually. That don't mean that they do not have a spirit. It means that the, their spirit has natural life, but it doesn't have divine life, divine life. And it is an awesome miracle that takes place when God saves a person that the spirit comes and occupies the human spirit and that is when we have spiritual life, when we have spiritual life. So I shared that with you last uh, Sunday before last uh, about the spirit. So tonight what I want to do is I want to share with you scripture that it's not only the one that I just read in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, but there are other passages of Scripture that also bear that out, that we are three-part. I want you to keep in mind now, as we study, that, uh, and I can share this from my own personal experience, it has helped me over the years to understand what God's doing, what He's doing, and how He does it. And that's an important thing, that we understand that. And I'll really point that out here in just a moment. So this verse says this, verse number 12, it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit. Now see, the dichotomists don't believe that they believe the soul and spirit is one. And of course, I know you've noticed right away that this verse of Scripture doesn't go along with that. It separates the soul and spirit. It says, dividing asunder the soul and spirit and of joint and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now this is a wonderful passage here, wonderful verse. It talks about the power of the Word. Now, the Word of God has no power under normal conditions. Now, it just doesn't have it. It doesn't have power apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. But I, I, I'm sure that most of you tonight can relate to this fact that when the Spirit of God drives home the Word of God, and if you know the Lord tonight as your personal Savior, there's been a point in your life where you was brought under conviction and the need to confess Christ as your personal Savior. That happens to everyone that is saved. And so I can tell you from my experience, I'm sure many of you can, about how that the Word of God is powerful when the Holy Spirit 
is anointing that word and is applying it to the heart of the hearer. And of course, I know that from, it's been a, a long, long time ago in my experience, but I remember it just like it was yesterday uh, when the Lord spoke to my heart through the word, I confessed my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and submitted to New Testament baptism and united with a New Testament church. And what a wonderful experience that was. Even though it's been such a long, long time ago, I remember distinctly how the Lord had dealt with my heart. And that only happens when he applies the word, the Holy Spirit is applying the word to the individual. Now in this verse of scripture, uh, the most important part that I want to share with you is that the uh, dividing asunder of soul and spirit, dividing asunder, now it's not separating from, the soul and spirit are not separated from each other, but there is a division that is made. The Word of God is powerful and can do that. Now what he does here is that he uses uh, an analogy that we might be familiar with. I, I know we probably haven't thought about it unless we've uh, uh, thought about this verse of Scripture, but if you took literally, not figurative, uh, well it is figurative here in the, in the Scripture, a sword and you divided asunder, joining marrow on me. I don't want you to do that, but if you was to do that, I couldn't survive that. You see, that wouldn't be something that, that we could survive. But he uses the, uh, that analogy to demonstrate something that happens spiritually and figuratively is that the Word of God is capable of doing that. And as I shared that verse of Scripture in Isaiah 55 and verse 11, that's how God does that. God accomplishes His purpose. How many of you believe tonight that God always accomplishes His will and His purpose? He always does. The God I know of the Bible is not ever defeated. I've used this analogy in your presence a lot of times. He's not wringing His hands wondering what He's going to do next. A lot of people believe that, but it's just not true. He accomplishes His purpose and His plan uh, in our life. And so that's what this verse is saying. And only the sword of the Spirit can separate, uh, and, and uh, not separate from, but sep separate between the two. And so this is one of those verses of Scripture that bears out the fact that there are two parts on the spiritual side uh, of man. And so soul and spirit are distinguished. Now, I'll give you another one. If you'll look with me in 1 Corinthians in chapter number 2. And this is really a familiar passage of Scripture. I know I uh, quote it often. And uh, it's in the second chapter, 1 Corinthians in chapter number 2. And I want to read verse uh, 14 and verse 15. Now, you follow me there as we read. And here's the verse that I've quoted so many times over the years. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Now that's a fact. It's not up for debate. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually 
discern. Verse 15 says, But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Now, here's what I want to point out in this. The natural man is governed by the soul. Now, natural man. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you some things you might say. What is in the soul? Well, I shared with you the last time I preached on this subject that the spirit of the unsaved, he has a spirit, but it's not, it only has natural life. It doesn't have divine life. And when, when the Holy Spirit comes and indwells the spirit of man, then he is, made, he is spiritually alive. He was spiritually dead before, then he becomes spiritually alive. So uh, the, the, the natural man, in this verse of Scripture, is governed by his soul. Now, in the soul is our intellect, is our affections, those things that we love, our intellect, our affections, our volition it's called, it means the will, the will, and the conscience. All of those things are in our soul. They're not in our body. What's in our body is the senses that we have, like uh, sight and smell and taste and touch and all those things. That's our body. That's how our body functions, and we relate to them. And now the neat thing about this passage of Scripture is that we understand uh, what it means to be natural, natural. And I want to explain that to you. The word natural is sukikos. Boy, aren't you proud of me for being able to say that Greek word? I guess I pronounced it right. That's the best I know how to do, sukikos. And what it means is soulish. It really does mean that. It means natural, means soulish. In other words, uh, the unsaved are controlled by the intellect, the affections, uh, the will, and the conscience. That's what the natural man is controlled by. He's a soulish being. That word means soulish. And it's the principle of animal life is the meaning of that. In other words... You know, I say this every once in a while. There's people all over this area and everything. They have no desire whatsoever to be here. I know you're here because you want to be here. You're glad to be here. You're thankful to God that you can be here. You love the Word of God. You love the Gospel. You love your brothers. You love your sisters. And you want to be here. I'm, I told Brother Todd this while ago. He, he was talking about how happy he was to be here. And Trish did too. And, and I said, you know, that thrills my heart. I love to be around people like that. But I said, the sad part, it always has been this way, and it always will be. There will be people who they could care less about that one way or the other, whether they're here or whether they're not. You understand that? And so that's what it means to be soulish, and it's the principle of animal life. Now, we're not animals. We're we're uh, cut above being an animal, but it, it illustrates something that the unsaved are out to fulfill 
intellectual affection, those things that we love and like, and, and the will, the volition, uh, and the will is fallen. We all have will. And I, I say this all the time. I'm a firm believer in free will. I really am. But I will tell you this. If you're not saved, your free will is not capable of bringing you to Christ. It just won't do it. It's fallen. It's corrupt. It's fallen. And it needs to be regenerated. And uh, I'm going to be sharing a couple of passages of Scripture uh, with you as we go along. One of them is in the book of James, and it's chapter 3 and verse 15, and I'll be showing it to you. Jude 19, and the word is sensual. That's what that word is in our Bibles. It is sensual. Now, what you say, well, what, what is the Greek word for sensual? It is sukikos. It's the same exact word, and it means soulish. It is soulish. And it's derived from the word suke, which is the Greek word for soul. The Greek word for soul is suke. And uh, in verse 14 of the passage that we're looking at in 1 Corinthians and chapter number 2, it says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. He's not capable of it. It's not a matter of what you want to do or what you don't want to do. You're incapable of it. You know, it's a sad thing that all of the unsaved people in this world are not capable of receiving things of the Spirit of God. They don't make sense to Him. They're foolishness to Him. And neither can He know Him because they are spiritually discerned. Now, we want to look at that word spiritual, spiritually. So one is natural and one is spiritual. Now the word spiritual, I'm going to see if I can say this one in the Greek, uh, pneumatikos, that's the Greek word for spiritual, and it comes from the word pneuma in the Greek, and you probably would recognize that one, and it's the Greek word for spirit. Is what it is. The Greek word for spirit. So a spiritual person is one who has the spirit of God. And the point is, and this is the wonderful point of this, saved people are governed by the spirit. The unsaved are governed by the soul. They don't have spiritual life. And so they're not governed by the Spirit. Saved people are governed by the Spirit. Lost people are governed by the soul. And those things I shared with you, that's a part of the soul. The intellect, the affections, those things we love. Uh, the, the will, volition, and the conscience. And so, you know, in, in our world, you, you know people, I do. I've known of people over the years that are good people and try to act right and do right. We're glad when they do that. They're not saved, but they do that because the conscience, we can be trained. The conscience can be trained. You know, you raise up a, a child and you teach them right from wrong and, and everything and they grow up and go out in the world. They may not be saved, but then they, were, they have character because they've been taught that. And so they generally are are good people. But this word spiritual, and once the Holy Spirit comes into the human spirit, then the saved person is governed by 
the spirit rather than governed by the soul. Now let me show you, I've shared with you that this, this is important to me because it has helped me to understand uh, how that God has dealt with me. I want to point out in 1 John, you can turn over there, and I know you know the passage all too well, and I've shared it with you off and on over the years, but it's awesome in chapter number 3 and chapter number 4. In the book of 1 John, book of 1 John. Now I would tell you that when I first come to know the Lord, I wouldn't have necessarily understood what this meant. But now I do. Now I understand it. In the third chapter, now remember this, keep this in mind as I read this passage. When God saves someone, the Holy Spirit begins to control the individual. That's a fact. The Holy Spirit controls the individual. Now we all know over the years we don't judge anybody, but we've known people who profess to be saved. And there is no spiritual fruit in their life at all. And we love to see spiritual fruit, don't we? We love to see the fruit of the Spirit in people's life. But we've known people who it just was absent. We wouldn't judge in them. Uh, we're, we're able to judge a tree by its fruit, the Bible says, or lack of it. You understand what I'm saying? But there are people who claim to be saved that there doesn't seem to be any proof whatsoever that their lives are led by the Spirit. Now, here are the verses I want to share with you. In chapter 3 of 1 John and verse 24. And here's what it says. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him, we dwell in Christ, and Christ in us. And listen to this. And hereby we know that he abideth in us. How in the world does anybody know that? How would anybody know that? The Bible answers that question. It says, by the Spirit which he hath given us. In other words, I can do it. I know you all can do it too. We look back in our experience and we think about when we come to know Christ as our personal Savior and the new birth took place. I like what T.P. Simmons says about regeneration. And I wrote it down to share it with you. Here was his definition. He says, regeneration or born again is a supernatural, instantaneous work of God in the region of the soul below consciousness. Well, I want to tell you, you're conscious after it happens, but you don't know how it happened. You can't. You, you just can't describe it because it's a supernatural. I've often said this, that I believe the greatest miracle that I've ever known of would, is the Lord saving someone, genuinely and really saving somebody. And so it says, he said, below consciousness. Now, consciousness would be that uh, control is taken from the soul and the control is the spirit. The spirit takes control. And uh, 
he goes on to say, uh, whereby the sinful bent imparted to the faculties of the soul, that's where it's at. And, and if I share further with you related to soul in this study, I will show you where sin takes place. Did you know the Bible says the soul that sinneth? The soul that sinneth. And I will tell you, it answers some very serious questions in, related to our theology of that. The faculty of the soul, it says in the, the uh, sinful bent imparted in the faculties of the soul in the fall of the race is rectified and through the instrumentality of the word of God, the initial uh, exercise of the holy dispensation thus imparted is procured. And so, to, to put it in words that I've been sharing with you in the study tonight, the, the part of our being that controlled us when, before we were born again is changed. The soul or the soulish part of man is not controlling him anymore, but the Holy Spirit that has occupied the spirit of man is given, given it life. Uh, controls that person. Now, not only in the chapter 3 of 1 John in verse 24, but in chapter 4 and verse 13. And he says this, Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Now, I've said this many times in preaching. I don't care what you think. There is no such thing as a person being given the Holy Spirit and them not having a clue that it's happened. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that the Bible is saying there, here's how you know that. Here's how you know that Christ is in you and you are in Christ because He has given us His Spirit. So the Spirit of man begins to govern his life rather than the soul. The spirit begins to govern. Let me give you, let me give you another one right quickly. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is an awesome text. I love 1 Corinthians 15 because it's all about the resurrection. All about new life. 15 and verse 45 which says this. And so it is written, the first man Adam was made a living soul. And the last Adam, which is Christ, was made a quickening spirit. And verse 46 says, How be it, uh, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterwards that which is spiritual. So natural, the word natural, is the same word. It's, the, it's soulish, the natural man, as we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They don't even make sense to him. There are people in our world, they have no interest whatsoever in the gospel. The good news of the gospel, the good news, they simply do not. Now, I'll share with you right quickly before we run out of time those other two passages of Scripture. One is in James and chapter number 3. 
Now remember, I'm sharing with you proof of the fact that the soul and the spirit are separate. And so in James chapter 3 and verse number 15, I'll start in verse number 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show forth out of a good conversation or manner of life his works with meekness and wisdom. In other words, it will show. A wise man, it will show. But it, now here's, here's the contrast. But if you, if you have bitter envying and strife in your heart, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthy and sensual and devilish. You know what the word sensual is? It's the same Greek word that means that the natural man is a soulish being. He's controlled by his soul, not controlled by the spirit. Once the new birth takes place, then the spirit takes control and governs the individual. It changes everything. Now this word earthy, of this earth, sensual, which is that same, uh, same Greek word, and he adds devilish, <laughs> demonic is the meaning of that. Did you know that every unsaved person that Satan can at will control that individual? The Bible says that. He can at will do that. He can anytime he chooses to say, well, the devil's not messing with me. Well, he might be. The fact that you said, would say that might mean that he is messing with you. So sensual is sukkah. Sukikos, and it's that word for soul. And earthy it, wisdom uh, has its seat in the soulish nature, and it's uh, demonic. It has a potential of being demonic. I mean, that is an awesome thought, that any time Satan chooses to do so, he has complete control, total complete control. Of course, God has to permit him to do the things that he does. And then Jude, I'll give you one more right quickly. And this is in Jude, and it's in 19, verse 19. And here's what Jude says. Uh, These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. That's that same word. Sensual, having not the Spirit. So, I want to share with you, my brother and sister tonight, that if you know the Lord, you are spiritual. If you know the Lord, then you're being controlled by the Spirit, and therefore you know that because of the Spirit that works in your life. If you're not saved, you're a soulish being. You're controlled by the soul. Now, if you're here tonight, you've come to the conclusion that you need to be spiritual and the Lord's been dealing with you and the Spirit's been dealing with you, then you come and make a profession of faith. And I would say this to all who may be listening by social media tonight. Call me up and tell me it's happened to you. Even if you don't come and profess Him here, call me up and tell me that the Lord has blessed you in that way. Father, we thank You and praise You 
for the fact that you've made us the way you are. And we thank you, Lord, as we've seen in the Word tonight, that we can know the difference between being controlled by the soul and being controlled by the Spirit. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for His work in our life. And we thank you for the assurance that we can have of a right relationship with you. Now we pray you would bless this closing song that Aaron will lead us in. And Father, uh, help us to make whatever commitment you're leading us to do. And it may be that there are people here that are already uh, your children and they might be making the commitment for a closer walk with you. What a blessing it is. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen.